0: just stay standing for the reading of the word. Again, we're in Psalm 119 and we'll bounce a little bit, but not as much as we have the last few weeks. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. Before I was afflicted, I went astray but now I keep your word. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I may live for your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me that they may know your testimonies. May your heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be put to shame. All your commandments are sure they persecute me with falsehood help me they have almost made an end of me on earth but i have not forsaken your precepts in your steadfast love give me life that i may keep the testimonies of my mouth of your mouth let's pray Lord God, may we hear and believe your promises. Please send your spirit that our hearts may be soft to your loving word and open to hearing you. Protect Andrew as he handles your work, that he may may speak the truth and speak it boldly. And may we grow in our love for you and all that you love, trusting you with our past and our future. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the Savior. Amen. Please be seated.
1: Charlotte Getz, who is a columnist, writes um, of what she refers to as her invisible disease. In the chronic illness world, I have what is referred to as an invisible disease. This means that I walk around living my life in an often mistaken for someone who's fine, someone who really could do just about anything. However, beneath the rosy surface of that charming exterior is a relentless physical pain in my fingers, my wrists, my neck, my ankles, my jaw. Reader, as I type this now, I have an ice pack strapped around my neck. I cannot chew food without holding the joint of my left jaw in place. What you can't see behind my smile and good humor is that even on a good day, uh, I am rarely without a low-grade fever, and God forbid that I catch an actual cold. My body typically responds to the most minor stress and illness by spiraling into a hideous vortex of chaos for weeks or months at a time, usually ending with a round of steroids, which have their own complications. There is insomnia, depression, panic attacks, Debilitating brain fog, back-to-back urinary infections. Uh, As you can imagine, the real me is a peach to be around. Send my husband your thoughts and prayers. There is a uh, a note of humor there and self-deprecation of just her experience, but very real. Uh, and for many folks, so you, we can relate to that just directly, uh, that invisible pain, the invisible affliction uh, that we experience in life in, in various ways, certainly physically. But I think there are also ways that we experience that invisible affliction relationally. Uh, constantly walking through difficulties, whether it be with family or friends, Uh, vocationally. This is an increasing thing in our society, people uh, discontented with their jobs and uh, struggling to find fulfillment in life in in various ways, and this sense of, of always being, you know, we may look Okay on the outside, rosy exterior, but but feeling the angst that comes with life. Uh, This is where we want to go or land today, and perhaps you picked up that theme as we were reading through the verses in Psalm uh, 119, the psalm that we've been looking at. Uh, God's word, this sweeter-than-honey word that we've been talking about, is the place to go in affliction. Uh, And and we want to unpack that and unfold that because, as we've already established, the the reality of affliction is true for all of us in, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, We've talked about this over the last several weeks. You know, just walking through this last year, we've certainly seen various ways in which uh, we have been afflicted. We have felt the, the brokenness of the world that we live in. For many people, this is their greatest obstacle towards Christianity. Uh, a relationship with God, or or maybe if it's not a complete obstacle, it, it's a stumbling block. We we ask ourselves all these questions, like, why, Lord, why why is it so hard? Why, uh, if if you are enthroned in the heavens, as we are celebrating on Ascension Day, you know, why is it that? This young man has passed away uh, due to COVID or other things, leaving a family behind. Why have you afflicted this family in such a way? And we can't get away from the fact uh, that the Lord is involved in it. We saw that even in the verses uh, that we read today where the psalmist says, it is good, Lord, that you have afflicted me. Uh, there is a there the Bible doesn't really shy away from the fact uh, that that there is a uh, a God involvement with some of the affliction that we face. So why want just kind of walk through this with you and see if we can't come to a place, I've really struggled with this, I don't want this to be overly intellectual uh, in the sense that it, it's just something that appeals to our heads, but really praying that the Holy Spirit would help our hearts be engaged as well, and maybe I'm just talking for myself, uh, you know, help our hearts be engaged as we walk through this and, and seek to understand how it is that God meets us in the midst of affliction. So the reality and type of affliction is where we're going to start because I do think that the psalmist helps us with that here. As he's working through this, and uh, and certainly in the context of this long prayer, uh, he is working through the reality and the types of afflictions. There is what we would call general affliction, Uh, This is the affliction that impacts everybody, whether you are a follower of Jesus, a disciple of his, or not. Uh, There is just a general... Uh, affliction, brokenness, malaise, <laughs> struggles that are in the world that we as a virtue of our humanity, we partake of. The, the psalmist says in verse 28, one of the first verses that we read today, my soul melts away for sorrow. Uh, and, and this is such a descriptive way to put it, uh, but it's something that we certainly can, can feel. Again, we've talked a little bit about this, whether it is the, the physicality of the, the way that we suffer, the relationships of the way that we suffer, um, in terms of our inner being, our, our, our comfort level in the world, uh, the, the sense of fulfillment that we have in our pursuits, all of these things, uh, none of us has it perfect. Uh, Nobody goes through life in this sort of general level unscathed. We all can relate to the psalmist who says, my soul melts away for sorrow. And again, This is something that affects everybody, young, old, rich, poor, uh, whatever your ethnic background is, ethnic, cultural background, everybody knows the general affliction, the general sorrow that comes into our lives. But then there are a couple of things that the psalmist calls out more specifically, Uh, On the one hand, he calls out the affliction that comes as a result of our adversaries. You see that really clearly in verses like 84, uh, 5, 6, 7. How long must your servant endure? Uh, When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me. Uh, All your commandments are sure, but they persecute me with falsehood. Help me, he says. Uh, They have almost made an end of me on earth. And this is a particular type of affliction that I I think followers of Christ uh, can recognize. That there is this uh, persecution that exists in the world. There is this adversarial relationship that exists between those who follow Jesus and those who do not follow Jesus. The psalmist certainly articulates this. We can look all around the world and, and we can see the ongoing reality of this type of affliction in, in our world today. We look at places like, uh, like the Sudan... We look at other parts of Africa where there is extreme persecution. We we see it, Middle East, uh, Vietnam, or uh, uh, North Korea. You know, just all sorts of places where there is a a tension. Some of us may feel that here in America as well, in in different ways. We certainly enjoy so many freedoms. Uh, that the rest of the world doesn't enjoy. So we don't face the, the kind of physical persecution uh, that many of our brothers and sisters in Christ faiths because they take particular stands. But there, there is a sort of intellectual uh, looking down on. There is a um, there is an increasing sense of, uh, you know, are you crazy As we walk in these lines. And I think it's safe to say we live in what could be termed a post-Christian society. A- and so... More and more, as we get outside of the, the safety of our enclaves, this idea of, of persecution or an adversarial relationship with the world uh, may be something uh, that we experience. What I love about God's word, of course, and, and throughout this, we're, we're talking about as we navigate these types of afflictions, we go to the word. Uh, And and the word speaks about this, and the word encourages us uh, to find truth, comfort, all of those things here, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But then there's a third type of affliction, and, and that is the affliction that is brought on by ourselves. If you look at verse 67, you see the psalmist says this, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept your word. Or as we have referenced before, the very lost, or very lost, sort of lost, the, the very last verse of this psalm, uh, the psalmist says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, uh, for I do not forget your commands. There is a, a type of affliction that we bring on ourselves uh, by, by refusing to walk in the ways that God has laid out for us. When we when we go outside of those, uh, as we seek for our success, outside of the way that God has uh, outlined success in his word, as we seek for sexual fulfillment outside of the way that God has laid out in his word, as we seek for uh, any of these things you know, outside of the way that God has laid in his word, we, we find that we not only bear the consequences of that which are afflicting, uh, if you are a person who is broken and you are seeking for comfort and you do it outside of god's word and and you turn to alcohol or you turn to drugs to uh, to calm you to take you out of that moment you you are going to face the consequences of addiction you're going to face the consequences of those things and it's here where I think uh, the psalmist says in verse 71 and other places, he says, it is good that I was afflicted. Uh, it is good that, that you uh, brought these things into my life because there is a curbing aspect to that. And I'll get to that a little bit more in just a minute. What I wanted to do first of all, though, is just highlight that there are different types of affliction. And it's important for us to recognize uh, these categories and not necessarily get confused in them. Because as much as I said what I just said with regards to that third category, that there is affliction that we sort of bring on ourselves uh, or that is brought into our life because of our waywardness, that is not all affliction. Uh, and, and you remember John 9, as the, the disciples and Jesus come upon this man who was born blind, that was their question. Who sinned? You know, this man or his parents that he was born blind? And, and Jesus said, no, it, it wasn't any of that. Don't assume. And, and that's what I want to encourage you with, is if, if you're walking in affliction right now, don't assume that it is uh, because you've done something wrong or this is God's judgment on you. Uh, recognize that there is this general affliction that all face. Uh, but also, let's make sure that we are categorizing. Is there is there something of a persecution here that I need to recognize, see, embrace? Is there something of a self-wrought affliction that I need to recognize, see, And then turn from in turning to God. So different types of affliction. I hope those categories are helpful for you. Uh, There are different types of comfort then as well. And this is where we go next. Let me just sum up uh, before we move on to the second thing. Look at verse 83. Verse 83, uh, here is the psalmist says, I have become like a wineskin in the smoke yet I have not forgotten your statutes. This is such a descriptive term. I mean, there are so many things. Sweeter than honey. uh, My soul melts like sorrow. Uh, Wineskin in the smoke. What does he mean here? Charles Spurgeon, uh, in commenting on this, he says, The skins used for containing wine when emptied were hung up in the tent. And when the place reeked with smoke, the skins grew black, sooty, And in the heat, they had become wrinkled and worn. Through sorrow, the psalmist's face had become dark and dismal, furrowed and lined. His whole body so sympathized with his character, uh, his whole body so sympathized with his souring mind that it lost its natural moisture and became like skin dried and tanned. His character had been smoked with slander, his mind parched with persecution. He was half afraid that he would become useless and incapable through so much mental suffering and that people would look at him like an old worn out wineskin that could hold nothing and serve no purpose. However our suffering comes, uh, we can come to this place where we feel just like this wineskin shriveled up and dried and parched. So, What does comfort look like? Uh, This is the second thing that I want to look at, the reality and the type of comfort. Verse 50 is sort of the the theme uh, for today. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. Uh, My comfort in my affliction. Obviously, if we're looking to the Word, the Word is going to tell us stuff. Uh, and, and it's not just, again, it's not, it's not just a systematic theology. Uh, it, it's not just a, a book of, of precepts. It's not just a book of, of, of truths that are sort of there disembodied. This is God's heart coming to communicate to us. In the law of God, we meet the God of the law. Uh, in the word of God, we meet the God of the word. And so, and so God himself is coming to communicate to us uh, things that are true, that we are to hold on to, that we are not just to acknowledge with our minds, but that we are to uh, embody in our lives. And I think there are three things that uh, we could highlight here. I'm sure that there are more, uh, but three things that I want to highlight in terms of the type of comfort that we receive from the Word the first is this, the, the truth about reality. Um, verse 19, a verse that we did not read uh, today, says, I am a sojourner on the earth. Uh, there is this truth about reality that we need to grasp. Uh, there's a truth that we are sojourners and pilgrims in our days right now. Uh, that there is an already but not yet Uh, aspect to our lives, that while we walk the earth, uh, we will have trouble. Uh, Or while we walk the earth, we do not yet know the fullness uh, of the glory that uh, we will experience when we are in heaven face-to-face with our Savior. And so this is a reality that keeps us focused uh, as we're going through what we're going through, whatever it might be, we, we hold it uh, on the one hand that this is my reality right now, this is part of what it means to be living uh, on this earth, but it will not be my reality forever, uh, that there is a time coming when I will be delivered and, and all of God's people will be delivered from this, and, and we hold that tension uh, if we do not have that, if we cannot see forward into the the truth of our redemption, then this world is all that there is, uh, a, and the the sorrows the affliction that we feel right now, we really have no hope. Uh, we really have no ability to go through this. I was reminded of this this weekend i I, I did a funeral on Friday. It was a very uh, it was a very heavy, uh, it was a very, um, I, I don't know, privileged assignment in the sense that uh, most of the, the folks there were not followers of Jesus. Uh, the, the person that died, to my knowledge, uh, had no testimony of, of following Jesus. And you were just a- aware as, as you tried to get people to think about the broader uh, broader truths of life, and and to pass their eyes above the 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 instantaneous sort of moment of death that they were feeling, that that there was a ceiling there for them. But the psalmist says no. You know, for believers, as we come to God's word, uh, there is a, there's a bigger picture. There's a glory. It was just such a contrast to the celebration of life that, that we had with the Guillaumes yesterday. Sorrow, to be sure. Uh, and losing somebody like, uh, like Norm, who was such an important part of this church and so many people's life. But there was a hope. Uh, There was a promise, an assurance that exists. And part of what the psalmist says is when we're afflicted, we need to get the big picture. We need to gain perspective. Uh, on life and eternity and we go through there secondly uh we also get the truth about ourselves. i've already alluded to this sort of gotten us to that place verse 71 it's good for me uh that i was afflicted that i might learn your statutes verse uh 75 i know O lord that your rules are righteous in faithfulness you have afflicted me this term afflicted here seems to uh, correlate to sort of a the kind of loving discipline that the lord brings into the life of his children Uh, hebrews 12 talks about this that the lord disciplines those whom he loves like a father disciplines his children uh, he allows us to face the consequences of our actions he he places uh, afflictions in our life he places things in our lives that that curb uh, unlawful desires that curb unlawful directions in order to, to stop us, in order to uh, allow us to, to look to him to see a, a, a greater uh, purpose in life, to see a different direction, just to, to stop us in our wild career, as Newton said, uh, with regards to the Lord's calling him to himself. Uh, and this is what the psalmist seems to be saying here. Um, it is good that I was afflicted. Can we say that? You know, can we, as followers of Jesus, can we actually recognize that, that God is working in and through our affliction? Um, I remember one of the things that was really impacting to me, and I've been thinking of Uh, different folks who are sort of heroes in this world. But Johnny Erickson Tada, when she, you know, had her accident, many of you know her diving accident, left her quadriplegic. I don't know if I have the exact right term there, uh, but basically immobile from the neck down. And so many people uh, were coming to her and saying, this wasn't God's will for your life. Uh, Except for one friend, his name was Stephen Estes, who said, you're in that chair, Johnny, because God wanted you in that chair. Now, that's a hard, hard truth. Uh, And it wasn't that she was necessarily doing anything wrong, uh, but, but God graciously dealt with her. Uh, in that way to her own testimony uh, where she was able to look, see, and appreciate God in a way that she never would have without that. Uh, Two truths here. One, God does work this, uh, allow us to face the consequences of our own actions. Uh, But then secondly, God is able to work in the general afflictions of this world in ways that lead us closer to his heart. Uh, I love what the psalmist says. I think it's in Psalm 78. Even the wrath of men shall praise him. Uh, Even the worst, even the the persecutions, even the things that, that happen in our lives that we don't deserve, Uh, God uses to bring glory to him and to praise him. So the psalmist says, you know, it was good for me. It was good for me that that I was afflicted. It was in your faithfulness that you afflicted me. That's not easy. Uh, And and I acknowledge that. Uh, It it is not easy to, to grapple with that. Nonetheless, this is one of the ways that we are comforted in our affliction. And it's helped by the third thing that I want to highlight for you is we, we see not only truth about reality, truths about ourselves, but we see truth about God. Look at verse 76. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to the promise of your servant. Or verse 88, in your steadfast love give me life that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. We have said from the beginning uh, that one of the keys to reading this psalm and to understanding and applying it is that um, uh, it, we, we come at it through a covenant perspective. Uh, we come at it through the idea that, uh, that God is the primary speaker uh, that God's Hesed love, His steadfast love, His covenant keeping love, is the basis of all of our prayers. So when we pray this, when the psalmist prays this, uh, when Jesus takes these words on our lips, it is as Jesus, the faithful one, who has gone through and experienced all of the suffering that the world has to offer. It is that mercy that comes to us through the word of God. So when we read this, we we keep in mind the the verses that I gave you for meditation uh, earlier. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He learned obedience through what he suffered. Uh, These are deep words. Uh, I mean, really mysteriously deep words. What does that mean for the Son of God who clearly was never disobedient. So he's not contrasting disobedience and obedience at this point. But he is saying, you know, through what he suffered, there was an obedience to the requirements of the law uh, that now comes to us as his people. So as we seek the word in the midst of our affliction, we're, we're led to Christ who, who took all, who took all of the afflictions of the world into himself and suffered those things uh, in order that we might have deliverance. I think there are two things here just in regards to that. One, the promise of newness of life. You know, as we stand here on Ascension Sunday, Jesus has resurrected into the heavens where he is now seated at the right hand of the Father bodily. He is seated there, uh, ruling and judging, and and all the the brokenness, all of the affliction that he he underwent, came untrue through the resurrection. Uh, It it all was it all was subsumed, and he is now raised victorious. And again, that's that's our perspective, that's our promise, that's what we're moving into. The second thing, though, is is what we recognize, you know, verse 50 again, this is my comfort in my affliction. Uh, The psalmist recognizes that the word doesn't necessarily take him out of my affliction, Uh, And that is one thing that we have to recognize in the here and now is that we're not promised that all of our afflictions will go away. Uh, We will continue to suffer. We will continue to face persecution. We will continue to walk in the difficulties of our life. But the promise is, in our affliction and this is again the writer of the hebrews says we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses one of the great well the christian faith doesn't answer all the why questions i I can't tell you why you suffer specifically in the way that you do Uh, and there may be no answers this side of the grave for that but what the christian faith does offer us is a God who is willing to step into that suffering with us. A, a God who is willing to know our weakness, to become our servant. Uh, and, and this is something that, you know, other world religions just simply don't offer. Uh, they, they're, they're just up and out and do better, try harder, and, and you will achieve what you need. But, but here we see a Savior who steps into our brokenness, a Savior who, who suffers our affliction uh, and loves us so that he will bring us life through what he has suffered. Lastly, uh, where do we go in terms of the life? Again, verse 50 uh, tells us... Um, you know, this is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. We've looked at affliction, we've looked at comfort, what does life look like? Just three really quick things. Uh, first, prayer. Uh, as we've been walking through this, we, we have to understand that the psalm itself, and indeed the entire Psalter, is a model for us of, of the Christian life. You know, what what is it that the psalmist does in his affliction? Well, he writes this enormous prayer. (laughs) You know, 176 verses carefully crafted throughout the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, Prayer is a discipline that the psalmist uses. On your word, I will meditate day and night. The the psalmist goes to the word and, and he prays that word back to his father uh, as he walks through the affliction. So what does the life look like for us? One of the things would be prayer. Secondly, would be the promises. Uh, Over and over again throughout this chapter, we see reference to the promises. Your promise gives me life. Do you know the promises of God? Uh, do you hold them close to your heart? Do you, do you have a, a, a set of ten that you just repeat over and over and over to yourself? I, I can't get a lot more practical than that. You know, your, my word, your word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against you talk about that a little bit more next week, but your word of a hidden my heart that, that I would have a place to go, that I would have these truths that, that guide me through my affliction. Uh, the promises of God became near and dear to the psalmist's hearts. The, the third thing, uh, and, and this is really interesting, and I think we see this throughout the scriptures, uh, certainly throughout the psalms, uh, there is a posture that this believer has that also helps him through affliction or as a result of his looking to the Lord in his affliction. Look at verse 74. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice. And then again in 79 he says, let those who fear you turn towards me uh, that they may know your testimonies. There, there is something about the follower of Jesus in affliction that continues to push them outward. You know, so often in affliction, uh, we become myopic. Uh, we become sort of self-focused and all we can see uh, is what we are going through. Uh, but the believer, as he rests in this sweeter than honey word, is able to still, in the midst of, you know, none of this has gone away. His soul is still melted with sorrow. Uh, he is still experiencing the persecutions of the insolent. And yet, he is able to point others to Christ. He is able to care for them. One writer puts it this way In affliction, the psalmist himself reaped benefit. But now we find that he is concerned so to live in affliction that he can benefit uh, others also. The same human agents of affliction reappear, but he pray, prays to bear with the hostility in such a way that those who fear the Lord may experience joy through his steadfast hope. I thought of this yesterday, um, and I didn't ask Molly if I could say this, but uh, I, you know, I came to her, this is her day, you know, thinking about Norm, laying to rest, and I really wanted to care for her, care for the family. The first question she asked me is, how are you doing? You know, how are you doing? And, and she wanted to know. She was caring for me, and I'm like, no, you got this wrong. I need to care for you today. Uh, but, but that is the, the evidence of a life that is allowing the comfort of the Lord into it, that we can look outside of ourselves and, and point others to Christ along the way. Brothers and sisters, I, I don't know how far we got today, and, and I pray that the Lord uh, would, would really meet your hearts. There, it's difficult. You know, affliction is hard. You all know that. Uh, but the psalmist says, the word is sweeter than honey. Uh, and, and there are truths here coming from the heart of God himself that invite us to come and throw ourselves on him, who not only has, has taken on the affliction of the world, uh, but is able now to sympathize with us and meets us at those places where it, it is very deep and very raw. May the Lord give us his grace. Uh, and will you pray with me, Father? We thank you for this word. We thank you for uh, the places where it points us. Uh, the fact that it points us uh, to you as the one who is uh, who is not only the answer, the solution, uh, but also meets us and walks with us and, and says, uh, speaks to us that even as we sojourn here, so there is coming a day when when God will wipe away every tear from our eye. Father, may we believe that. May we, may we live it. May we comfort one another with these words. And we ask that, uh, that your name would be lifted up. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.